This episode is a special feature with guest speaker Doddy Weir, Scottish rugby legend and founder of the My Name's Doddy Foundation. Doddy announced that he was suffering from motor neurone disease in June 2017 and he set up the foundation both to support other sufferers and their families and also to raise funds to aid research into MND to find a cure for the disease. Here he is being interviewed by former teammate and old friend David Soule in a heartwarming conversation about rugby, resilience and his personal journey since being diagnosed. Okay. So I'm delighted to be with an old playing colleague of mine, Doddy Weir. Uh, 61 appearances for Scotland and a gold cap, you tell me. <laughs> Slightly jealous about that. Um, from November, very first game against Argentina uh, in November 1990 to March 2000. And of course, the British and Irish Lions to South Africa in 1997. Doddy, you, you played in both the amateur and professional eras in rugby. Wh- which did you enjoy the most and, and why? So late, first of all, lovely catch-up with you. You look at a million dollars and, <laughs> and well done to you. What lovely offices you have here as well. Things are going very well for you and I'm very pleased for you because you, you played a big part in my rugby journey. Because uh, I remember coming into the team after you guys had won the, the Grand Slam. For, so for a shy lad from the borders, uh, along with Graham Shield, coming into the Scotland squad was quite a big step for us because we hadn't played a lot of rugby. We were 19 at the time. But uh, with that, we've had the most amazing journey. And I think a lot of it, I look back on it, and it was great days, great times. And your answer to your question was, without a shadow of a doubt, the best times certainly in the amateur days. Because I think the game was more about enjoyment then. We trained hard, but we played hard, and we enjoyed hard as well. And, And that was the ethos, I think, all through the amateur days that I was involved with, and we continued that for quite a while in the professional days as well. And professional was exciting because the game had changed when we, when I was about 26, all of a sudden professional rugby came in. And we had this opportunity, Gary. And I talk about Gary because Gary's been on a, Gary Armstrong has been on a journey with, similar to myself, because um, we went down to Newcastle Falcons. And again, through the amateur days, it was Rob Andrew, who we both mm. know very well, yeah. who came a-knocking, because Sir John Hall, who was the pioneer behind the football club, wanted to set up a sporting um, occasion um, in Newcastle. So he wanted to set up a rugby team, uh, ice hockey team, and basketball team. Um, and with that, wanted the best. So that's why he got Rob Andrew. Dean Ryan and Steve Bates, mm-hmm. who we met through our amateur days. Yeah. For some reason, I don't know why, but they came out knocking and had a great time on the professional area because to earn a little bit of money, not an awful lot compared to the likes of today, was was quite an amazing and thoroughly enjoyed that journey as well. But it got, to me, a bit overanalyzed and overcoached at the tail end of my career because I retired in about 2004. Mm-hmm. We were training four times a day. And as you know, um, I wasn't the best trainer at all. <laughs> so to, to put that work in, I didn't enjoy it anymore. And, and were you allowed to have fun? Not in the late, in the, certainly in the earlier stages, mm. yes, because the training was, was, was at Newcastle. There was a lot of pretty much 15, 16 international, every position at international. So we knew what we were doing, and we maybe trained once a day for a couple of hours. So the rest of it was... Mm. 
enjoying oneself. So playing a bit of pool, doing a bit of shopping, doing whatever you really want mm. to do, have a bit of hobby. Some boys might go and surfing. And with that, I think that made you enjoy the game more because yeah. you appreciated it more. So come Saturday, you put a lot more in. And the amateur days with your good self and the rest of the old boys around about the old guard, Finley Calder and Gavin Hastings. There's big emphasis on the old there. Yeah. <laughs> but you're all looking very well, mm. I must say. I'm very impressed. And and with that, it was about enjoyment. But ultimately, when it came to the Saturdays, it was switch on. This is game time. Mm. And that's what I took into the professional era. But when I got too serious, uh, serious that was time to me to leave because great advocator if you don't enjoy what you're doing then you shouldn't be doing it yeah i absolutely agree with that and and share that philosophy what are your most treasured moments from your rugby playing career well i think when you have a look around your office it's it's very special the memorabilia and the memories that you have and over the 15 years say at the top level there, there's too many to have to point out but see you've got your caps <coughs> on the wall as well and and with that, getting your first cap was a great cherished memory for yourself and your family because that's when you know you'd done it. You got picked in the way you went. So mm. I tend to remember 1990s a day, yep. one I'll never forget. Yep. But with that, going on to play in three World Cups was, was very memorable as well. Um, to be involved in Scotland for a, a number of times, to be involved with Melrose was fantastic because we were had a good team uh, to the beginning of the 90s as well, which I think we defeated Aki's on a number of occasions. <laughs> which we, maybe yeah, never thanks. We'll, we'll gloss over that, Doddy, for now. Maybe we never know. I can't remember <clears throat> that far back. But the rugby in the in the 90s, club rugby, was, was very exciting. Mm. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, again, both on the field, off the field. All very hard matches. And you look back, and I think it was a great setup. You involved in... In the Yankees, you got Daft Gav, Gav Hastings, Watsonians, Kenny Millen, just to say, involved in um, Hennets. You've got the John Jeffrey, Kelso, uh, and, and Hoyk had a number of players, and so did Gala. And mm. it was just such mm. a competitive mm. time. Mm. So, again, that brings some lovely memories yeah. of being quite lucky there. The Lions tour is always a talk of being able to go on, go on that. But I think. Down, uh, going to play for Newcastle mm. we had a, quite a big success winning the league there so look you know just very fortunate mm. and to be here is quite a <laughs> good time as well sort of but yeah I think looking over definitely a first cap is one yeah. that remains what you can remember because yeah. that day went very fast it does. They, they always do your first caps they, they always talk about the transition between club rugby and international rugby and I remember my first cap but for me it was about remembering it and really wanting to cherish it and trying to focus on every element of it because I thought I might never get a second so but there we go that wasn't to be was well it? thankfully no. thankfully not Doddy captain 25 times as well I know, I know. was a record not anymore unlucky yeah uh, what, what lessons in leadership and life have, have you drawn from your time in sport so I think I look back because Played rugby till I was about 35, and then after that, you, you kind of go into the world and think, what am I going to do here? Um, I'm a trained, if it means anything, a trained farmer. I went to college to study agriculture for four years. Uh, Dad is a family farm, and I know you're, you're into the land as well. Mm. And with that, he said, there's no, no space for you mm. here. Mm. So I had to look to see what one was going to do, and that's where... My father-in-law has a sewage company. 
So lessons in life, you've got to start again and thoroughly enjoyed the rugby, but then after the rugby had finished, you go, right, what am I going to do here? And I think with the rugby, it teaches you to be humble and respect within in the game of rugby and also business. And I was a great believer of taking on a new, the fine example, how how you would speak to people, how you would communicate, other captains as well. Do you agree what they're saying? Do you not agree? Did they say it in the right frame of mind? How was Jim Telfer, who's just played a massive part in my career as well as a coach? His motivational angle was unbelievable. Where did he get his mm. thinking from? And, and during that, I put life down to a game of chess. And it might sound a bit bizarre, but in the line-out that you mentioned the, at the start, why is that person moving his, his feet? Where is he moving his shoulders? Which is like maybe moving a piece on the chessboard. Mm -hmm. And with that, I've got to try and move something to try and work out how he's going to play. And that's why I took out the game of rugby and brought it into the business world. Mm -hmm. So it was a very interesting, the rugby, the marketeering as well, that you're always on display. Mm -hmm. Knowing your product. So if you didn't know your lineouts, you're not only letting yourself down your team now, uh, having a trust in your team. So having people around about you that you could trust. So like yourself, when you're flinging me up at, in the line out to, to the height of a double-decker bus, you've got to have trust that you're going to catch me. And you've got to have people round about you that know what's going on. Mm. And also, a hierarchy, it sounds bizarre in a way, the hierarchy, there's always people further up the tree. So yourself, captain, calling the shots, listening to you, why are you calling the line out in the five-yard line, different to the halfway line. What are you trying to get? And you communicating with the 9 and 10 and other senior players within the team to see what you're going to do. Taking that all into the business was quite exciting mm. because the sewage business, uh, we didn't have really anyone in Scotland. So yeah. we had to build it. We did, I think the father-in-law did four jobs, um, excuse the pun to be fair, in f 30 years. So it didn't really crack the industry mm. in Scotland so it gave me an opportunity to say yeah. right let's give this a go and brought everything like that timekeeping having even clothing to have your identity of where mm. you are and who you are mm. so brought all that into the business and we did not too bad with that and built up quite a healthy business but since my issue um, I have, I've had to sort of mm. give up that side of yeah <clears throat> the business just uh, Christmas passed. Yeah. But it gave me, uh, so that was maybe about 10 or 12 years within the wastewater company uh, to think ahead, keep ahead, keep mm. really not investing but thinking. Mm. Don't ever stay the same. Mm. So if you're running 100 metres <clears throat> one minute, you've got to try and maybe run two the next minute mm. to try and stay ahead of the opposition. Yeah. And yeah. that's maybe why we are where we are, because of, because of your <laughs> lovely tuition all yeah. these, these <coughs> many years ago. Yeah, I think that. you're overstating that a wee bit, Doddy. Yeah, when, uh, when you ever look back, so yeah. we're, we're thinking about just yesterday. It was 1990 mm. that we pretty much came together. That's yeah, nearly right. 30 years. Yeah, yeah, frightening how quickly mm. the time goes. You touched on your condition. You were diagnosed with motor neuron disease in 2017. How, how did you process that news and how did you deal with that? 
I think again we we look back onto our sporting, and it was through our sporting things have changed, evolved in the game of rugby, whether you like it or not. We when we found out we were in the team and the borders, it was sometimes told through C fax and teletext that <laughs> yeah. the youth might not know yeah. what that's yeah. about nowadays. Yeah. Um, because the the mail was slow, so that was our medium. Nowadays it's changed. Nowadays the analysation with the GPS systems mm-hmm. and what you do, what you wear, what you drink, what you sleep, um, uh, and with that and and with myself in the game of rugby, I had a different attitude that's always put myself down. So every game I played, tried as hard as one could and thought, well, I could maybe have done a little bit better here. I don't think I'll be in the team for next week. And lo and behold, Jim, very kind, <laughs> selected me. Uh-huh. So that, to me, was a surprise, which gave me the mental idea that if I was dropped, I would be ready for it. So when the day came when my professor in Edinburgh officially told me, because there is no official um, diagnosis of MND, we go through mm. a lot of tests, mm. So we had to go through brain scans, which you'll understand, <laughs> couldn't find anything <laughs> there. Numerous blood tests. They've got to go lumbar puncture mm-hmm. as well, which was quite horrific. Yeah. Shock therapy to see how your muscles are reacting. Mm-hmm. And the accumulation of everything seems to be okay. You've got MND. So when he told me that, I had a very good idea that that's what was on because I right. Googled it, which you shouldn't really do. And that's mm-hmm. what propelled me mm-hmm. to go and see the doctor. Mm-hmm. And when he told me, I had already mindsetted myself that I have. My good lady, on the other hand, had not. She was the opposite, hoping Mm. that it wouldn't be the news. And um, it was, so she Mm. was quite upset on that. But my mindset went, well, we've got it, so let's try and get it sorted. Mm. Mm. And that's where the start of the frustrations came in. Mm. I mean, you, you've just been an incredible, extraordinary role model in, in the way that you've dealt with your condition and the diagnosis. And, and how, how hard has it been for you? You're always such a positive, happy, happy guy, Doddy. You know, I've, in those 30 years that I've known you, I've never known you being anything else. And at the moment, <coughs> it's still similar. Mm. There is, the frustration solely goes about, it's when I got diagnosed and told by the professor... Mm. He says, right, you've got MND. And I go, right, okay, what's going to happen now? There's your care nurse in the corner. That's all I could do for you. Mm. So everyone with MND, there's there's no cure out there, terminal illness, and the life expectancy, once diagnosed, is between one and three years. So when you find all these the news out, I must admit, the first six months was quite tricky because mm-hmm. no one knows, because the professor did say, I'll be walking into his surgery in a year's time in a wheelchair. Or not walking, but in, going in in a wheelchair. Mm. And you kind of think, ooh, ooh, this is quite a serious kind of thing here. Mm. Um, but again, there's not a lot known about it. And when I mentioned that, my frustrations started that you're sent home to basically self-cure. Mm. And by that I mean is that when you go to a doctor, say you've got a cold or chest infection, 99% of the time, you'll be given something, a prescription to say, right, here, this is to help you. On you go, and if it doesn't, you'll get something else. With MND, that is not the case. There's nothing you can do. There was one drug that came out 25 years ago, which is as good as nothing, really, and nothing new 
at all has hit the table. Mm. And that's where I'm a wee bit annoyed at. The professor hasn't even said, have a cup of tea, uh, do exercise. Does it help? Does it not? Does mm. red wine? Does Guinness not? Does uh, sunshine? Does holiday? Mm. Does keep mm. active? Does taking vitamin pills? Does not one time has he come to me in the last two and a half years since diagnosis sort of thing to say, look, big man, let's try this. It yeah. might not help, um, but it's worthwhile giving mm. it a go. Mm -hmm. So everyone with this condition has had to self-cure. Yeah. So a lot of people go on the internet trying this, trying that, trying this, and, and as we found out, nothing has helped. And mm. that's been my journey, and I think my fight, and I think that's what happens when the game of rugby if you don't succeed, you analyze and go, why? Mm. Let's work on that to try and succeed. So that's where the foundation has been set up because we need to try and put the awareness out there that MND, mm. there's not a lot going on mm. financially and, and research-wise. Yeah. So we need a little bit of help on this journey um, because I think the reason is such a complex mm. issue and numbers are quite limited there's 500 yeah. people in a special group yeah. in scotland so yeah. it's not big numbers compared to to other uh, medical issues yeah. but it's given me the most fantastic drive mm. and the generosity and support has been quite amazing mm. i want to come on to the foundation in a minute but uh, you, you talked also about kind of the the drive and the resilience and what advice would you give to people in situations like yourself uh, perhaps cancer sufferers or, or you know, people who are suffering from, from other you know, difficult situations personally. How, how do you draw on that sort of mental resilience and mental toughness and you know, positive attitude? What, what, what helps and what works for you? Well, what works for me might not work for everyone else, but it certainly it's this positive attitude to enjoy life. And from day one, you've, you've mentioned that, that the, the amateur days in rugby was just very special. Because we enjoyed the team unity, both on the field and certainly off the field. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if they have this similar uh, enjoyment as, as we did. And with that, for the last 30 years, as mentioned, that's been a theme that I've had. So don't let whatever your issue is really affect your life if you can help it. Try and st stay strong. Uh, staying strong and positive because the example would be, for my condition, uh, Use van der Vesses, and that mm -hmm. we, we both know the South African number nine. He yeah. had MND and sadly passed away about two years ago. So he raised the awareness quite considerably around the world. So I phoned his foundation and spoke to his brother to say, Where are you up to? I got quite excited thinking he's, he's done a lot of research. There must be a drug there for myself to mm -hmm. use. And his brother said, oh, Big man, we, we spent to three million pounds on use flying around the world getting all sorts of treatment of which none worked mm. but the advice I will give you this was used brother is the best drug you could have is positive thinking mm -hmm. that's what drove used and that's what kept him living for so long and that it's sometimes difficult for that for people to get into the positive thinking but they've got to do it so an example if I could say would be with my issue um, I went to Knock Hill the other day with my kids to do rallying mm -hmm. and <clears throat> didn't do maybe as many laps as them but you're still doing things 
that you have in your normal life mm. and as well spending it with the family because yeah. it's a very difficult time. Yeah. And, and with that, don't give in. Do things, maybe tying shoelaces might take you five minutes, but keep doing that. Mm -hmm. I was in the gym on the Tuesday and I, I failed on the rowing machine because I do about a mile on the rower when I go in. Mm -hmm. And it's the first time I failed, but... I was in this morning because mm -hmm. I know I'm coming to you shapely, slowly. <laughs> and uh, it took me quite a long time, but we completed that. Yeah. So that gives you the positive yeah. nouns of, of getting on with things. Mm -hmm. So today, coming to see your good self, instead of getting a taxi from the train station, I thought, I'll go and walk. Yeah. And it's just bringing things into life mm. that you don't allow your issue or disease mm as much as you can mm. so adapting as we mentioned before i can't really drink one pint now <laughs> <laughs> so i've got to use two hands to drink <laughs> and it's and, and with that you've got to and, and it's difficult because yeah. in a way i feel quite positive because a lot of people worse off than myself mm. and that gives me a lift to say what have i got to complain about mm. and and with that, the example would be uh, with the foundation, we received an email uh, just through when we started the foundation. So you're doing great work. Keep up the work, big man. Because my brother-in-law got diagnosed in September 2017 and died in December 2017, yeah. three months after diagnosis. Yeah. He was 38 years of age yeah. and had kids two and five. Yeah. Ten years further on, I am. Kids are ten years further on. So what have we got to complain about? Mm. Just enjoy it while you can this mm -hmm. really is the emphasis where we are because yeah. there's nothing you can really do about yeah. it yeah and just on the foundation i mean you're saying earlier that you've donated over two and a half million um to research and for caring for people tell, tell us about the journey that you went through with the foundation how you, you talked to juice brother and so on but what gave you the idea to to come up and and how's the momentum increased I certainly think it has. The, mm. the journey and the generosity and support is overwhelming. So uh, I think it was set up through Finley Calder had quite a lot of good teammates of ours as well. Thought, right, we need to, to get a committee together to, to try and help A, myself, and B, the issue. So that's where it all started. And, and with that, we've got Finley on board, John Jeffrey on board, Gary Armstrong on board. Scott Hastings, the chair, Joel Douglas, my good lady and Stuart Weir. So it was initially a group of friends to, to come and try and help. And, and with that, it's just propelled. And the generosity mm -hmm. as well with the lawyers, solicitors, with the web company set up. And we didn't ever imagine it would be where it is at the moment. So mm -hmm. 16 months down the line, we, we've spent two and a bit million pounds on research um, and to try and find the cure and mm. that's gone down the way of gene therapy yeah. to have a look at um, the makeup of your body why is there a mm. deficiency in what yeah. is MND and try and correct that also repurchasing of drugs because to bring a new drug to the line is very expensive mm -hmm. and can take a long time and yeah. people with MND don't have a lot of time yeah. so they're trying to look at all other drugs that are on the market that could be easy used so cancer drugs, diabetic drugs, to see if they've got an effect on mm. MND, which is great. And also a proportion of the money goes to 
people to help with MND to fund maybe wheelchairs or stair ramps or wet mm. rooms or, mm -hmm. or anything like that, which mm. is very important as well. And it's, oh, it's phenomenal what's happened. And where we are, there's people selling sheep, there's dinners, <laughs> there's um, schools selling mm. toast at uh, break time, oh. there's people walking everywhere, cycling. Rob mm. Wainwright's just been mm. amazing with mm. his walks and his cycles. Mm. Um, there's a tartan bus in the borders. We've just come back from Hong Kong with Martin Murray and Kathy Pasegra. It's just been outstanding. The one, the big yin, Billy Conley, mm. very kindly um, supported our dinner in Hong Kong, mm. and um, because his mum had MND, mm. so the 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 world in rugby and business has just been truly staggering. What's exciting, Big Matt? is that a lot of people <coughs> are having a lot of good time raising money. And it goes back to what we were saying before, it's about having a good time. Mm. So there's a lot of communities and schools and businesses, Thrifty, for example, they have a Doddy Day the last Friday of every month. And with that, everyone does something different. So it might be coming in and tartan, maybe, <laughs> or bringing some cakes mm. in to sell. And with that, it's galvanising a lot of people which I quite like mm. to see mm. and, and just a terrific indicator of how much the rugby community and, and the population at large love you Doddy and respect you for what you're doing and, and the way that you've approached this this issue so you know, I think you've got an awful lot to do with it um, we're going to release this episode in time for Mental Health Awareness Week in the UK and this year's theme is, is body image and how we think and feel about our bodies now, you were once described by Bill McLaren as uh, on the charge like a mad giraffe. How important is body image to you, Doddy? And you know, should we be concerned about it? Well, I'm looking at you, so I think it's very important. <laughs> it, well, there's, there's, it's a very difficult topic in some ways because I, body image to me is, is quite important, but then being happy how you are is, is vital. And that's what we said all through the conversation mm. here be happy and enjoy what you do now in certain body, body images you might not enjoy what you're doing because a lot of people well let's use the bear for example because mm. we know Ian Milne quite well mm -hmm. now he's of a larger size than what we are and I think talking about him and hopefully he doesn't see this in a bad way that he maybe can't do what he would like to do and I think when you're looking at it that way, body image is maybe quite important because mm -hmm. I know that he he lost quite a lot of weight mm -hmm. and he was down to maybe, mm -hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, 15, 16 stone. Yeah, yeah. So he'd lose maybe about 10 stone. Mm -hmm. And that allowed him to possibly lead a healthier life. Mm -hmm. And this is me speaking on behalf of someone else. But my body image, I'm happy where I am because I'm able to do a lot of things. Mm -hmm. With the MND, aspect I probably can't uh, can't tackle too many sheep can't handle the kids like I would like to anymore <laughs> can't do as many weights but I didn't really do them anyway but I think if you're <clears throat> if you're happy how you look mm. you're happy how you get on with mm. life mm. what do you think about it fully because it's I, quite I, a difficult subject I, it is a very difficult subject and, and I absolutely agree with you I think there's something about being comfortable in, in how you look and how you feel about that and and I think that is 
your own attitude and and you know i think what shines through from the conversation is you know that positive attitude that positive belief and um looking for the best in things rather than the worst in things i think that's really important because just <coughs> with with my issue i think i think and there's again what's helped me is to to eat healthily mm-hmm. so don't have too many takeaways but also to do a little bit of exercise mm-hmm. i don't do an awful lot but do little and often and within yourself you have a, a positive frame that will come to the weekend. Mm. You're allowed to drink because you've worked a couple of calories during mm. the week. And that's my mental thoughts to it. Mm. And the body image, I think you feel better within yourself when you do a little exercise. And that's just a personal mm. thing with me. I see my old boy, for example. He'd be lucky if he could maybe walk up a hill mm-hmm. and... and is he happy within that? I would imagine not, but for him to try and do a bit of exercise mm. is quite tricky. Mm. But mm. for him to maybe say, right, let's go and walk up a hill, yeah. I'm going to get a benefit from it. And I felt with my time, exercise has certainly mm. given me a positive body mind mm. with that and certainly mm. help both, not yeah. within the body, but also within the head. Yeah, yeah. One final question. You are synonymous with the tartan suit. Where did that come from? Well, I think it might have come from the gala, Richie Gray. Oh, really? Because um, he said, look, you big dafty, we got a suit built when we were at 18 because being a freak of nature, we need to get them built instead of the peg. And and with that, we had one suit. So once I'd finished the rugby and doing a wee bit on the MCing side of things, I kind of thought, what we're we going to do, and I think that the first game was possibly Scotland Samoa up in Aberdeen, mm-hmm. and with that it was my first TV gig, so I thought I'll get a pair of Aberdeen tartan trousers, and that is I think where it started off, and from there, it's propelled quite significantly. It certainly has, and and with the new tartan, which is co- we commissioned and built it ourselves, which is quite. Important to myself, it's called the Doddy Tartan. And, and <coughs> with that, you see, with the foundation, my name's Doddy Foundation, it's, it was built with three colours in mind. One was blue for Scotland, of the team we played. And uh, the other one was yellow and black of Melrose and also black and white of Newcastle. Mm-hmm. So the three main rugby teams that have kind of given me the most amazing life and journey and friends mm-hmm. uh, is where that tartan suit comes from. But it looked okay in a four-inch patch. But when you see it uh, decked in out... In a six-foot-eight patch. It's, it's a bit, a bit daunting, but... You can carry it off, though, Dolly. You can carry it off. Just for, for people who'd like to donate to Foundation, how do they go about doing that? There's a webpage, My Name's Dolly Foundation. All details are, are on there. There's, there's all different ways, manners, what if people like to get interested... And we mentioned do something within the company or, or something would be absolutely fantastic because I think it galvanises. The journey we're on is we're trying to find a cure mm-hmm. and uh, because there isn't anything. We're trying to give people, or I'm trying to give people with the help of the foundation and everyone else involved, a chance. And when you need a chance, you need an option. At the moment, there is no options mm-hmm. available. So even one would be fantastic. So with that, the foundational page, my name's Dory Foundation, there's uh, areas to donate on that. There's areas within that of, of upcoming events that we have. 
if you're looking to buy hoodie clothing or anything like that as well there, there's areas with that and if we can help with anything there's a comments page with that and we'll set the bell because you've got the most amazing team mm. behind that's doing such a great job Doddy, it's been an absolute pleasure. I remember you coming into the side and, and coming on tours and like callow whippersnapper, 19-year-old, six-foot-eight beanpole, and you're an absolute delight. Daft as a brush, but an absolute delight. And I'm delighted to say that you've not changed one iota. It's been a pleasure to speak to you, Doddy. Thank you. So it's been all my pleasure, and especially meeting the, the future here <laughs> uh, with that, because even after 30 years... We're giving away some family secrets, mm. what your nickname <laughs> on the tour was. But thank you and everyone else for your support. Brilliant. If you are in need of support personally, or you would like to help Doddy and his team find a cure for motor neuron disease, visit his website, www.myname5 doddy.co.uk that's www.myname5doddy.co.uk you can also text doddy that's d-o-d-d-i-e to 70191 to donate £10 that's doddy d-o-d-d-i-e to 70191 to donate £10. You've been listening to the School for CEOs Leadership Insights podcast with today's special feature on Doddy Weir. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll see you again soon. Mm-hmm.